I'll be reading Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Nehemiah chapter 2, 17 through 20. This can be found in the Red Pew Bible on page 392, 398, sorry. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins. With its gates burned, come let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer desertion. And I told them, on the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king has spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work, but then Sembalat the Herenianite and Tobiah the Aminianite, servant of Geshem the Arab, <coughs> heard it and jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing? that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Good evening. <clears throat> Everyone learns things differently. It's really only natural. God created us all to be different. In my case, I learn through asking questions, whether that be just one question or even a question that leads to another and another and so on. So as we talk of our theme tonight, Rise Up and Build, let us ask four questions to learn how, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> how to build ourselves up. One, can everyone be like God? Two, where do we start? Three, what do we build with? And four, how strong are we when we have fully built ourselves up? In Nehemiah 2.18, we read, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words, which he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. So they set their hands to do this good work. Back then, Nehemiah and the Jews were working on rebuilding Jerusalem. But today, how does this verse apply to us? I think it means that we, instead of Jerusalem, should build, build ourselves up to become how God wants us to be. One question some might have is, can everyone become how God wants them to be? The answer is, of course they can. Everyone has the ability to become righteous. This is evident in the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30, the Bible tells the story of three servants who were given money. Now, despite the difference in the amount of talents or money between the three servants, the first two were successful and were praised by their master for acting on his commands. However, the third one was punished for being inactive and being lazy. This means that everyone can be a Christian. It just all comes down to our diligence. Now that we know that everyone can build upon themselves, the next question that we have is, what is our foundation and where do we start? The answer can be found in Matthew 16, 7, 8, Matthew 16, 18. It reads, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Prior to this, in verse 16, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. This tells us that our foundation that we build upon is Jesus Christ and our belief in him. Another passage, Matthew 10, 32 through 33, 
says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This tells us that we must not only believe in Jesus, but we must tell the world of such and tell about Jesus Christ. We may sow our own seed as much as we want, but it is ultimately God that helps us grow. With our foundation, what do we have to build up with? In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction of righteousness, that the man of, <clears throat> that the man of God may be complete, per- thoroughly equipped for every good work. This tells us that through studying and understanding God's word, we can build ourselves up to be the people God wants us to be. In fact, some of us just went to Discipleship University yesterday, where the theme was mirroring Jesus. This is a great thing to focus on, because he is quite literally the perfect example. He was sinless, and he is the greatest thing that we can build upon. The fruits of the spirits are evidence of such. If we build up with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we will be truly great in the eyes of God. It is also stated in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, that assembly and fellowship together stirs up love and good works. Jesus also gave his disciples a beautiful visual example of this principle. In Matthew 7, Jesus illustrates that those who hear his words and do them are wise. They are like a builder who builds their house on the rock. In contrast, those who hear his word and choose not to do are foolish. They are like a builder who builds their house. I apologize. They are like a builder who builds their house on the sand. As we are all from the Houston area, we know the destruction that rain can bring. Imagine what would happen to a weak foundation. With a torrential downpour, the foolish man's house would easily wash away. We build our house on the rock by knowing and following his words. And finally, how strong are we when we have built ourselves up? What can we stand against? In James 1.4, it says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This tells us that when we are built up, we are perfect in Christ, and in all the ways that he wants us to be. So, in conclusion, we can all be how God wants us to be. It is only a matter of heart. We build up with fellowship and good works, and when we have built ourselves up completely, we are exactly how God wants us to be. So, I ask, will you be a builder in the church and of yourself? If you believe in Jesus, the answer should be yes. God's people were sent to their homeland, Jerusalem, and was tasked to rebuild the land that had been destroyed while facing the threats and pressures of their surrounding enemies. In all of this, one thing can be said, and it's that the Israelites probably had a wide range of emotions, such as fear of their enemies, happiness because they're in their homeland again, and maybe even anger because their homeland was destroyed in the first place and now they had to rebuild. 
These emotions are all very different, but they all affected the growth of the kingdom. When we as Christians are to build, we need to check our emotions. So today, I will, I will talk about the emotions that help us build up in the church and the ones that do not. First, we are going to look at the negative emotions that won't help us build up in God's kingdom. Now, let's look at distrust. If all the Israelites did not trust each other, then when something would go wrong, they would all start to fight and be mad at each other because they did not trust each other. In the church, we are to f trust our fellow Christians so that we can trust newcomers to the church and those that are in Bible studies. Second, let's review the effects of anger. Anger has been proven to be a very destructive thing that can go off on a person who can't control themselves. If the Israelites had anger on each other when doing the construction of Jerusalem, all hope would have been lost for it to ever be standing again. For if anger is in the mixture, it will always end in chaos because anger can cause a whole lot of other negative emotions to come up as well. They would get violent towards each other and separate into smaller groups. And if things escalated out of hand, they would have probably started killing each other. In the church, if you get angry at your brother or sister and unleash your anger on them, you could damage a relationship and set a bad example for a newcomer to the church or giving them the wrong impression. We see in James chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we as the saved are to strive to produce the righteousness which God himself has created. We see the people of Jerusalem did finish the rebuilding of their country. So they obviously managed to keep it together in which the Israelites managed great feats because they had God on their side. We must remember we can overcome anything if we have God on our side. So now let's look at the positive emotions that will help build us up in the church. First, let's look at the positive emotion, compassion. In the church, if we have compassion on each other, we will know that there are people who care for us by, and by showing us compassion, it will help people up mentally. In Jerusalem, if people showed each other compassion, if one of their brethren were struggling by their load in the rebuilding of the, the, in Jerusalem, it would make the load less miserable for them. Finally, let's look at love. Love is the most powerful emotion there is. And if you need proof, go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but that whoever may believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If we are to strive to be like God, there is no way around it. We must have love in one another. In the church, we are to love all who are in it, and those who visit so that when they come, they will feel like they are in a family, and it is true, they are in Christ's family. For in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, it says, let all that you do be done in love. In conclusion, we are to rise up and build. 
we must do so in a calm and controlled way. Otherwise, our emotions can get in the way. So when you hear rise up and build, do so in a way that the Israelites and God would have you to do. Scripture reading this evening will come from Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. That's page 402 in the Red Pew Bible. It reads, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days, and it happened. When all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words, which he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. In Nehemiah, the Israelites are scattered across southwest Asia. But Nehemiah gets permission from the Persian king to reestablish Jerusalem. Just like when we get baptized, we are getting permission from God, our king, to reestablish our faith and serve him. But just like the Israelites rebuilding the wall, we will face tribulation throughout our lives when serving God. There are three points in Ezra and Nehemiah that help the Israelites restore Jerusalem and will also help us build our faith. Number one, the Israelites had a mind to work. If you will turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah 4.3. That's Nehemiah 4.3. It reads, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. This Ammonite is, in modern terms, kind of trash-talking towards the Israelites, which eventually turns into later, which later in the book turns into death threats from surrounding kingdoms. But look at verse 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. When we go and proclaim the word of God, we, people will try to tear us down, but we must have a mind to work. We must want to do it, even if it isn't easy or convenient. Number two, it was a team effort. The Israelites had God, Nehemiah, and each other to encourage them when they were faced with tribulation. In the church, we have each other when we are discouraged. That is why you can come forward to ask for prayers, because the church family will always support you. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Also, a definition for sharpening is showing genuine care for one another. We must support, correct, and help each other when we are faced with tribulation. Another definition of sharpening is build genuine relationships. We must build friendships with other Christians because no matter what, you can't do everything alone. Also, look at Hebrews 10, 24. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you look in Ezra, Zerubbabel led the Israelites in building the temple while Ezra was back in Persia convincing the king to let the Israelites live and prosper there. Just like in Ezra and Nehemiah's time, there are Christians all over the world that can and will help you. 
That is why we send missionaries all over the world. Number three, building a stronger faith. Look at Rome, if you will turn in your Bibles actually, to Romans 10, 17. That is Romans 10, 17. It reads, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We as Christians must read the Bible to learn how to grow closer to God and in that get closer to heaven. The Bible is like our instruction book, giving us advice and instructions that help us grow in our faith. When I was nine or 10 years old, I got the Hogwarts Express Lego set for Christmas. This Lego set had 801 pieces. That's a lot. And I couldn't have built that Lego set very well without following the instructions very closely. And we can't live our lives very well, in the eyes of God at least, if we don't follow his instruction book very closely, which is the Bible. And let me tell you, the Bible is much easier to read and follow than a 30-page Lego instruction book. Also, many verses talk about how when people listen to God, they prosper or how when we listen to God, we will prosper. Examples of this are Proverbs 1.7, which says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instructions. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16-17, which says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Proverbs 10.17, which says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. And Proverbs 19.20, which says, listen to advice and, and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future. When the Bible says something about a topic, it's important. When the Bible says something about a topic repeatedly, it's very important. And the Bible has a lot to say about following God's instruction. In conclusion, we must want to do the will of God, and even though we will face tribulation and make mistakes, people will always be there to correct and help us in hard times. And we must build up our faith and help ourselves through tribulation. If you look at the subtitles above the sections of text in your Bible, in Nehemiah 8, the New King James Version says, Ezra reads the law. So the Israelites had two strong leaders to guide and correct them. Even if you mess up, the Bible is sitting right next to you, needing to be read every day. So let us rise and build up our minds, hearts, and faith. I've noticed <clears throat> that in my very short life, Anything that we build, whether it be structures like houses or skyscrapers, anything from ourselves, our character, our endurance, or relationships, our friends, those who we date, or I imagine in marriage, these things seem like a daunting task at many times. And many either they quit before they start or they give up when times get tough during construction. However, when studying how characters in the Bible went about building, the book of Nehemiah and Nehemiah himself is an excellent place to look. Let's observe four principles that Nehemiah teaches us about building. Number one, prayer is essential for true progress. If you would turn to Nehemiah chapter one and verse 11. 
Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 11, the scripture says, O Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah, if you take any good look at the book, you see that he relied on God for every single decision in one way or another that allowed for his ultimate success. And if we look at us, and certainly at what he did, prayer serves as the foundation, it should serve as the foundation and structure of our building. And it should be involved in every single phase of construction. And as Christians, we're commanded to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, and to cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Our second principle, building is not an individual activity. If you'd go over to Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 20, Verse 20 says, So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. As we've stated before, God is essential for our success. He must be involved for whatever we do. However, we also must be cognizant that there must be other builders, and some of the other speakers have mentioned that previously. We see all the walls and the gates that the Israelites were building. And you see the Levites, the priests, the district leaders, and their inhabitants. All of them were coming together to this great effort. And if we look to today, the church, all of us here, we are here specifically, one, to worship God, but to edify and to build up one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. And notice, despite the grand scale of what was happening, Nehemiah still displayed selflessness and generosity in chapter 5. We see him stopping the oppression of the poor by the leaders and them charging interest. And then we see him having generosity and mercy on the people in in contrast to the king and the allowances. No matter how big our projects may be, no matter how small they may be, we always have to consider love and kindness, all the little things and the big things that we do. Our third principle, there is wisdom in knowing our enemies. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. Verses 2 and 4 say, 2 through 4, Then Sambalot and Geshem sent a message to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Cher... Shephirim in the plain of Ono, but they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come, so I not, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. You could also title this point, Knowing Our, knowing our Enemies, but also Knowing Our challenge, Challenges. We have to know that others will oppose us out of evil, envy, greed, anything under the sun, really. And specifically in this scenario, you see Sambalot, Geshem, and other places, it mentions Tobiah that opposed Nehemiah. 
He knew that knowing the abilities of his enemies was important to be prepared for action and to look at the next steps that he'd have to take. And Jesus would say something similar along these lines in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, when he would say to his disciples, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And as Christians, we always need to be ready to defend our faith, especially nowadays, and, our, and ourselves from the devil and his efforts. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Finally, our fourth principle, we must trust in God for our deliverance. Nehemiah chapter 9, our final scripture. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 28 says, But as soon as they had rest, they did evil again before you. Therefore, you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. When they cried again to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you rescued them according to your compassion. We have to realize that walls, they can always be scaled at a certain height. They can always be breached at a certain width. They are not perfect. And likewise, if we take a look at ourselves, we are not perfect. We also have to realize that walls, they only provide limited protection. Yes, laterally, they can provide somewhat of a protection, but anything from above, they are vulnerable. Sort of a similar way, if we look at ourselves, we can only be so powerful to maintain integrity during times of trial, grief, distress, any of those. But even when those unexpected delays happen and our plans don't go the way that we envisioned, we still must trust in God to bring us through the times of trouble. Because as we see in this verse, God, he is compassionate with us. Even when we fall, when our, when our walls fall, we need to rely on him because he is the true wall and the wall that will never fall. Nehemiah was a great example to Israel for the rebuilding of their nation. He realized that God was vital to the, to the success of his efforts and he also prepared himself appropriately for the challenges that lied ahead. And if we follow Nehemiah's example by relying on God in everything we do, by praying, by leaning on each other as the church, being aware of our enemies, and finally trusting in him ultimately, we know that in accordance with his will, we will be successful with whatever we do and with whatever we build. Maybe you haven't been relying on God as you should, as you should be. Maybe you haven't been putting him first in your life as a Christian. It is never too late to repent. As Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, today's, excuse me, um, that's for the next one. Uh, maybe someone hasn't laid their foundation and obeyed the gospel. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul would say today is the day of salvation. The opportunity is open to you right now. Why do you wait? Come and stand as we sing our invitation song.